This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. Welcome back. I'm Randy Zuckerberg, host of Randy Zuckerberg Means Business here on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. I'm so thrilled to introduce our next guest, Dr. Burke Royster, superintendent of the Greenville County School District, the largest district in South Carolina and uh, the 44th largest school district in the nation. Uh, Dr. Royster, how are you doing? I understand school, the first day of school was last Monday. How is it going so far? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, appreciate you having me uh, on your program. Uh, look forward to talking with you a little bit about how we vote in school and other things that you might be interested in. Uh, t- given the very unusual circumstances, uh, it's gone, I believe, exceedingly well. Uh, as you mentioned, we opened last Monday, so we're now on uh, our seventh day of uh, of attendance because in the plan we opened under, we do not have students in the buildings on Fridays. Uh, they're currently attending in person one day a week and uh, via virtual learning the remainder of the week. Uh, that is, the students that have chosen or their parents have made the choice for them to attend in person. And we have about 23,000 that are fully virtual uh, school students. So it's mm. gone very well. It's at. Uh- I mean, that's a really interesting plan. And, and uh, I mean, it really boggles my mind when you think about 77,000 students plus faculty and everything that you're managing. I mean, that's basically like you're running Walmart. Like you have to think about the logistics on, on that level. Um, what has it been like uh, to plan this reopening strategy? And what are, you know, how, are, how is it evolving day by day? Well, it is, as you've already indicated, it's been an extremely challenging environment. We have, uh, as you said, 77,000 students, but we also have about 10,000 employees. Around 6,000 of those employees are teachers. We're spread over 800 square miles. We serve a rural, an urban, and a suburban population. And we have really all types of demographics within our population. So we're a very representative school district spread over a large area. And in this most unusual of times, uh, as you indicated, a lot of planning has had to take place in order for us to be able to open, to open safely and to open smoothly. And that really began in the late spring when it became apparent to us that uh, this was not going to be a quickly resolved issue that we needed to prepare for a very different opening of school. Uh, We're extremely fortunate. We have an excellent leadership group uh, from the principals in our buildings, to the people that run the various aspects of our operations at the district level, whether that be academics or or facilities or transportation or finance. But that's basically what our folks have been doing that are in leadership roles since last spring, designing the... uh, manner in which we would return, and then making certain that we had in place the framework for students to attend virtually 100% of the time, that's some 23,000 that chose to do that, and have all those things in place that would allow in-person attendance for one day a week, two days a week, and ultimately we hope to get to five days a week. But to have the virtual support for the traditional classroom teaching that is occurring 
and then all the other logistical things that are necessary. One of the reasons we have a one-day plan and a two-day plan is because of the size of our classrooms and the number of students per teacher. That's the only way we can maintain six feet of social distancing. So we laid out classrooms throughout all of our schools to ensure we're maintaining six feet of social distancing, making sure we had hand sanitizer in every room, uh, that we have protocols in place to disinfect various areas of the building and the entire building at the end of the school day. So you can imagine when you think about doing that and doing it on the scale of doing it over 12.3 million square feet of space. So it mm -hmm. took a lot of planning, a lot of gathering of resources, and a lot of uh, checking, double-checking, doing some trial runs of certain things. Uh, so a lot of work on the front end, and I think that's one of the reasons that to this point it has gone very, very smoothly uh, in our schools and with our opening. Uh, I think the as you talk with public health officials and you read the information from medical experts, the keys to doing well in the environment we're in is keeping six feet of social distancing, uh, wearing a mask when that can't be the case, wearing a mask when you're not able to maintain that distance, frequent hand washing or sanitizing, staying home if you don't feel well. Yep. Uh, those are the things that uh, are seeming to be the cornerstones of being able to successfully operate in this environment. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Royster, a lot of people are talking now about how the, the pandemic has really exacerbated some of the, the differences in socioeconomic. So uh, students who don't have access to, to technology or Wi-Fi at home or students who are on meal plans at schools. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you're thinking about, uh, you know, bringing a little bit of equilibrium to everyone when there's so many differences at home. Right. One of the things, I'll start really with the last one that you mentioned about meals. Uh, our state shut down March the 16th. The governor ordered all the schools to be closed. From March the 16th to the latter part of the summer, our Food and Nutrition Services uh, Division served more than 2 million meals. We brought them out into the community, taking advantage of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's what they normally refer to as a summer feeding program. It was it was opened up earlier than summer. Uh, so we operated at multiple locations so that the meals would be readily accessible to young people in the community and students would come in and pick those uh, those meals up. And if it were, say, for a weekend, they would pick up the meals for over the weekend. So, again, we served more than 2 million meals that way. When we shut down in in March, we had a pretty quickly move to what, compared to what we're doing now, was then a much less sophisticated e-learning or distance learning program. So one of the challenges with that was community access to Wi-Fi. So part of that rollout of meals, we did it utilizing our school buses. So they would take the meals out into the community to various locations. Our buses, the 300 and 80-some-odd regular route buses we have are all Wi-Fi equipped. So every place they went out could then become, in essence, a large Wi-Fi hotspot. So a student could come and pick that meal up March, April, May, while we were still in school, and they could access Wi-Fi off the bus so they could download assignments, they could upload work they had completed, 
or they could they could hang around there at the bus for the two hours it was there and and work live if they wanted to. We also mapped out in our county the areas that have little uh, internet connectivity. Again, I mentioned earlier, we, we're a rural, urban, and suburban county, so the rural parts of the county, including the mountain area in the northern part of the county, a lot of areas where uh, internet access is not readily available. So we took 21 of our buses and placed them in these areas we had mapped out. They were there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., during the week, providing Wi-Fi connectivity uh, in places like maybe a church parking lot, uh, a shopping center parking lot, maybe a fire department parking lot, where people could come up and access the Internet through that Wi-Fi connectivity on our buses. Uh, we will, we're doing similar things to that with the start of school this year, and we're also able to obtain through our state uh, hotspots for students who do not have connectivity at home. So our state has procured a number of those. We've got, uh, I believe now, about 1,800 of those deployed uh, out to individuals in the community, individual student families in the community. Uh, As of yesterday, I believe our count was at about 1,800 of those. Wow. Congratulations. Well, Dr. Burke Royster, I really appreciate hearing about all the thoughtful measures you're taking. Um, It definitely is no easy task managing 77,000 students in over 100 schools. So I just I wish you so much luck for this school year. And I hope the next time we speak, we we can share resounding stories of success. So thank you and, and, and stay safe. Well, thank you very much for having us as part of your program. Best of luck. Uh, Thank you, everyone. That was Dr. Burke Royster, superintendent of Greenville County Schools, the largest public school district in South Carolina. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.